If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. Good morning and welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, your host, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. And today, we're working with understanding yourself by design. And this is all about human design. I'm going to explain to you what human design is and why you want to know about your energy types and the type of design you are. Human design is your blueprint for success in life. You were born with a manual and this is it. Living the way you're designed means no longer following what other people tell you is right, but by doing what you instinctively know is right for you. The joyful path ahead begins with discovering your personal design and how to fully use each gift and talent as they're revealed. If your relationships at home or at work are a struggle, the chances are good that you're living under the pressure of other people's opinions and their expectations of you. Overwhelm, stress and burnout come from working against your alignment, while ease, fulfillment and joy of life come from when you're working with your natural energy. So which path would you choose? I will use my human design expertise to show you how to use the information you have in your blueprint to navigate your, your relationships with yourself and with others more smoothly. And let's get ready for some more of that, um, what, harmony in your life. So human design was given to the world, shall we say, in the late 80s. And this is uh, a blend of the Kabbalah from Judaism, the Hindu Brahmin chakras, the Western astrology, and Chinese I Ching, or the Book of Wisdom. All of those things, they've been around for thousands of years. They are put together with a dash of quantum mechanics. And here you are with this really complex looking chart. And yet the detailed information is amazing because it's you. It really is. So if you get your chart from my website, which is www.gaffenstone, G-A-F-F-E-N, stone, like a rock, com. If you go to that website, you can get your chart there for free. Download it and there will be some links at the side that you can follow to get a little more information. And if you want a lot more information, that's where you come and talk to myself because I can read the chart for you and go into depth. So the first thing you come across when you look at human design is the energy type. And there are five energy types. There's the generator which is a pure generator, a manifesting generator, and I'll explain these shortly, projectors, manifestors, and the smallest percentage of all reflectors. There's only 1% of them. They're, they're very key to our society, and we just need a few of those. So depending on your energy type as to how you show up in the world, and sometimes we have a certain personality trait or a certain design that others think is wrong about us and, and they will tell you so from an early age. Um, an example that I'd like to give you is that of the manifester. 
There are 8% of the world's population are manifestors, and they are here to do big things. They have a very uh, quick energy, and it's a very strong energy. So when a manifestor walks into the room, you know it. And some people will gravitate toward that person. A number of people will move away from that person because their energy field is very selective and only people who can really handle them will actually come and hang out. Now, manifestors tend to be misunderstood because they are very quick thinking. They have very quick ideas about what they want to do and they'll go do them and forget to tell people what they're doing. So a manifester, when they learn about their design, knows that they need to inform people of what they're going to be doing so that the person they're sort of leaving in the living room or whatever doesn't feel abandoned or ignored or, you know, less than. So this is something that comes up in relationships a fair amount, as you can probably imagine. For manifestors, they typically don't realize that they need to let people know what they're going to do and know where to find them. They're just busy running off and doing the thing. So that's the first step often in sort of bringing harmony into a relationship is to identify the manifester and identify how their energy works and how they can let others in on what they're doing. Manifestors tend to think that other people are kind of slow. You know, it's taken them a while to catch up. And, you know, I take a fair bit of delight in telling them that actually, it's not them, it's you. You're very fast. So again, letting them know what you're doing is going to be very uh, harmonious for the relationship. I worked with a couple who um, were having some difficulties in their relationship. They were not getting along very well, not agreeing with who was in charge of what. So we looked at their human design and he's a manifester, she's a projector. They did not understand each other's energy at all. And so they were butting heads a lot and having um, sort of big disagreements about how things should look, who should do what, how it, you know, where they should go. And even the divorce word came up at one point. So I explained to each of them what their energies looked like and how the one could accommodate the other. And so they could sort of meet in the middle. And it didn't take long, a couple of months, and they had their relationship back on track. They were doing so well that we were able to bring the coaching to a close and they they were fine. They were able to move on. So that is the power of human design. Now, human design is not a belief system. It does not require faith. It requires you to test it. So when someone, myself, for example, tells you something about your design, the first thing I'm going to say afterwards is now go play with it. Go test it. See how it lands for you. Do you recognize this? Is this something that you've seen before? Can you test it now? So, for example, decision making. Um, I'll use the example of my two sons. They're both projectors but they have a very different way of making decisions. And there's a, a piece in human design called definition. And that's how many circuits or voices you have when you're making a decision. It can take a while or it can be quite quick. It just depends on how you're designed, right? And my eldest son is designed in such a way, his decisions are quick 
and he just talks them out loud and there he is he has his decision at the end he doesn't need input he just needs to hear it my youngest son takes probably a week to make a big decision because he has three voices he has his triple split definition and at the time of me bringing this to their attention the two boys young men actually were, were kind of a little fractious with each other because the older one thought the younger one was just messing around and and not making decisions about things to be annoying right you know little brother he's going to be annoying and when they both realized that that's not the case that's not what's happening it's just he cannot make the decision any quicker he's designed in this way now they have a lot more harmony together which is great because they share an apartment so that's useful so the, there are different aspects to human design and we sort of started with the energy type, as I said, and then we look at how you're defined to make decisions. Um, a lot of people are emotionally defined. And so that will be something that if, if you're emotionally defined, you have a time period to wait before you make a decision because the solar plexus center, and you'll see this when you get your chart, the solar plexus center is your emotional center. If it's colored in, it's defined. And that means you have a wave like this, like the middle of the ocean, but it's always moving. It doesn't stop. You can't stay at the high. You can't stay at the low. And this is one of the things that we get told a lot, right? In self-help groups and, and self-development books and so on, how to stay happy, how to always be up. It's not possible. It's like trying to stop the wave in the middle of the ocean. It doesn't work that way. Your energy is constantly moving. So when you have this emotional definition, it means that at some points you'll have a, a high level. And if you make a decision at that point, you're going to be saying yes to all kinds of things. And they could be a no. You, you haven't stopped to actually make that decision correctly. You're jumping in from a high point. Conversely, if you're at the low point of that wave, Anything you look at is going to look awful and it's going to be a no. I don't I don't think so. But because you're at the low point of that wave. So the trick is to wait that wave out all the way through so that you have the perspective from the high point, the perspective from the low point, and then you can make a more balanced decision. There's a second authority that goes with that. Usually it's a sacral center, which means it's a gut response. You have an absolute yes, we do, or a mm -mm, no, there is no maybe. It's this is how your response goes. And that's something you can test on some pretty small decisions. See if you're getting a sort of oh, yes, or mm -mm -mm, no. Play with that a little because we're used to not hearing it. As children, we're conditioned to use our head, think about it, be logical. And, and this doesn't actually work. That's not what the head is for. I know, shocking, right? You have two centers in the head, and those two centers are like an observatory and a library. You're here on this planet to experience the physical plane. So you have five senses to experience it with. Now, the information from those five senses gets stored in the brain, in the head. So you have an observatory of life, you have a library full of the information. And you can make that information into new information, wisdom, depending on what you're working with. You have a lot you can do with this. 
But decision making is not what you do in a library. It's not what you do in an observatory. Your body will make the decision for you. So learning which way you make your decision is a really important part of knowing your human design and knowing yourself. Um, Another example using myself is if someone gives me an open-ended question, what do you think of X or what do you want to do with Y? It's too much. There are too many options and they all come up at once. I have no idea. I don't know. If you give me options, I can say, oh, yes, no, no, yes. You know, those are easy to do. I might even come up with a different option because the options you gave me prompted something. But I now know with my design that I'm always going to ask people to give me options. I'm not going to stress over that open ended question because that doesn't work for me. So this is another way of testing what you know about yourself, testing how you operate and not listening to what people tell you you should be doing. Because, you know, should is it's it's one of those words you really shouldn't use it. You shouldn't. <laughs> That's kind of funny. But don't should on yourself like If you should be doing something, then it's not right for you. If you want to do something, if you feel in line with doing something, then that's that's the thing for you, whether it makes sense or not. And here's a quick tip. If it makes sense, chances are it's not right for you. If you can explain it, it means it's external. It's information that you've got from somebody else. So if you find yourself following a logical path, take a break. Have a look and see, is the path actually taking you where you want to go? Because, you know, logic has a way of going wrong with confidence. It's it's as good as the information that goes in. Now, how much disinformation do we have these days? We have a lot of disinformation. We have a lot of you should this, should that from other people. So how can you possibly make a good logical decision based on that information? It simply doesn't work. We're sold a bill of goods here that that's what we should be doing, but it simply doesn't get you to where you want to go. You have a beautiful, logical path and you end up in a swamp. It's not where you wanted to go, but you got there logically. So these are some of the things that I want you to know about human design, because it's important for you to understand you before you start working on your relationship with other people. Understanding yourself means that you can learn to love yourself exactly how you are, how you're designed, because nobody is designed badly. Nobody is made to be wrong. So those things that you were told were wrong about you, there's every good chance that that is, in fact, a gift. And I'll show you how that's a gift. If we have a one on one conversation, I can show you where your gifts are and they are right underneath that place of You're too loud. You talk too much. You this too much or that too much or not enough. That's the place where things get sticky and it's just, you know, it's not helpful. We we all labor under this. So we're going to be going to a break very shortly. And when we come back, we'll have a look at a few questions that we've had. Look a little more at human design. And if you'd like to take this opportunity to go and get your chart at my website, Once again, it's www.gaffenstone.com. It's free. You download it. There are hyperlinks at the side. 
and they will give you a little bit more information so that you have some basics to work from. In the meantime, it is lovely to be here with you. I'm so thrilled. Come back after the break to listen to more of Navigating Complicated Relationships. Today's complicated relationship is with yourself. I look forward to seeing you shortly. If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. Welcome back. You are with your host, Mickey Gaffin-Stone, and this is Navigating Complicated Relationships on the Inspired Choices Network. And I'm delighted to spend this time with you talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is human design. I'd just like to reiterate that this is not something that you take on faith. So if you have doubts about this, if you're skeptical, join the club. Welcome. Um, I, too, was very skeptical about this when I first came across it. I have a science background, and so I took a scientific approach to this a little reluctantly, but someone I trusted asked me to check into my chart. She was working with me, and she wanted to see how she could do it better. So I was skeptical, got my chart, had a look at it, didn't understand a thing, sent it to her. She looked at it and I watched her face and the play of emotions across her face was fascinating. Now, my background is human behavior. So, of course, I'm watching her face to see where she's going with this. And then she kind of her shoulders relaxed and she said, oh, now I understand. Now I know how to work with you. And she changed a few things in the timetable and a few things that were presented to me. And suddenly she was right. Things did go a lot smoother. So I followed the path back to the chart to find out more, like, what is this? How did she do that? And I started to investigate. And the more I investigated, the more I jumped into it with great enthusiasm, because every piece I unearthed had some gold in it. I was so excited. And I discovered there are many, many layers to this chart. So you have the energy types, as I said. Then when you look at the chart, and I hope you've got yours now. There are nine centers and some have color, some are completely white, depending on the software you use, but this is my chart. The white ones are undefined, and that means that the energy that's associated with that center is not fixed or constant. You borrow it from people in your environment and you amplify it and you can use it while you're around those people. So for example, if the ego center also known as the heart center, is where your willpower lives. If that's white for you, then you're not really going to be driven by money or by competitiveness, you know. And if if you grew up in a competitive household and you were the one kid who wasn't competitive, well, guess who got a whole lot of should and, and a whole lot of made to feel wrong? You know, you should be competitive. Come on, let's let's get you going. But it's not there for you. You don't have it. And if that's not in your nature or in your energy center, then it simply isn't. And you might be able to have a little of that while you're in someone's company, but it's it's not going to last. 
it's not yours. The other thing with that particular center is if you're working on a project with someone and yours is undefined, so long as they have definition, you can work at least as well as them, if not more, because you have their borrowed energy. And you're not taking it from them, but you are borrowing it. They still have it. I hope that makes sense. So the thing is, the project will keep going beautifully so long as you're both together. But when you go home, that whole motivation thing went away. It, it was borrowed, right? That applies to all the centers that are white. It's a borrowed energy. And when it's fixed, this is the pathway to finding you. This, the fixed centers, the channels, which look like sort of blood vessels between the centers. Um, these things, when they're, they're colored, those are the path to finding you, where your strengths are, and how you use them. Um, the, the channels are defined by gates. Now, if you look on your chart, either end of those lines, there are numbers. If they're colored in, the gate, the, the channel is colored in. If one gate is colored in, then you've got a half channel, and that's called a hanging gate. Somebody else might come along and complete that with you. And that's a whole other story because that brings uh, an attraction to that person for some kind of relationship, whether it's a colleague or a, a deeper interest, you know, depends on the attraction. But that's a place where that can come in. So the white centers are also a place of attraction because you're looking for somebody that has what you don't have. It doesn't mean you need that. And I would love for you to all understand if you take one thing away from today, it is that you are not broken, you are not incomplete, and you are not wrong. You have stories that have been layered onto you and you're hiding underneath there. So human design is one tool that we use to uncover the wonders that are you. Um, one of my favorite things to look at are the gates. There are 64 of them. So, no, I don't have them all memorized, but I have sources that I can dip into for these. However, there's one gate that gives a beautiful example. Gate 53 is the gate of joyous new beginnings. That's its title. And what it looks like when you're at home is you have half read books. You have projects that you've started, and not finished. I'm sure you have a whole lot of Internet courses that you've bought and not completed. You might not have even started them. Then you have maybe food that you've started and not finished. You know, do you have a lot of incompletion around the house? That is part of the gate of joyous new beginnings. But the gift, the piece that's really interesting is that you have this amazing ability to help other people launch new projects, new directions in life. You can begin new, pretty much anything, and you can help other people. You can do it for yourself. Now, none of these gates are in isolation, obviously. So depending on what else is in your chart as to whether you're able to continue through that project or maybe you need to bring people in to take over while you go off and start something else. But what a gift to be able to help other people start in a new direction. Suddenly, half-read books really don't matter that much, do they? It's not a big deal. It's just a small sign where you have a big gift. And I would pay attention to the gift. How else can you use that? If you're someone who uh, is a projector, for example, 
then you also have the ability to oversee systems and see where things need to be fixed, tweaked, changed. And then you can start new projects from there as well. Wow. Now, that is a strength that you probably don't know you have. So I want to go to a few questions now. And one of the things that was interesting for me is someone asked, what are symptoms of someone needing to talk to a relationship coach? Good question. Interesting question. And I would say there aren't really symptoms per se, but are you happy in that relationship is an obvious first question. Do you have some difficulties with that person, whatever level it is, whether it's your child, your parent, your colleague, your partner? Is there an area of particular difficulty where you butt heads over something or you just don't see it the same way? That could be something that you need working on, particularly if it's on repeat. Now, needing or wanting a relationship coach is not a sign of big problems. It's a sign of identifying that something could be even better. Doesn't have to be a broken relationship that you bring to a relationship coach. It can be something that it's good. Now can it be great? Now can we really take it to the next level? Because I'm here to tell you, you can. There's always something more that you can both do. So long as both parties are willing. And sometimes even when just one person is working on it, you can change some things to make the relationship go more smoothly. That is particularly effective in the workplace, for example. So, you know, it's it's helpful to know how you operate, first and foremost. It really is. Um, another person asked me, what is the best way to approach someone after you've had a fight? Now, this I'm going to bring uh, polyvagal theory in as well as human design, because the vagal nerve is the biggest nerve you have in the body, and it's an information highway. When you become upset, dysregulated, you've been yelling, somebody's been yelling at you, then all the stress hormones are running wild, right? You have cortisol, you have adrenaline, you have everything getting ready for you to run from the saber-toothed tiger or turn around and wrestle with it, right? What your brain's not ready to do is think or listen. So if you try to talk to somebody when they are upset or when you're upset, it's absolutely not gonna go well because you, the other person cannot receive it. And you're probably not articulating it very clearly either because you're you're both upset and dysregulated. So the first thing to do is give you each have a signal or something so that you can both take some space, take some time and go do what you need to do. Do you need to go for a walk? Do you need to meditate? Probably not. That's a bit um, a bit down from that dysregulation. But walking, yoga, dance, something just to move those hormones around the body so that you can disperse them and be ready to listen and ready to talk. Then depending on your design to some degree as to how that conversation is going to go. But, you know, a famous person once said, it's better to be kind than to be right. So when you have a fight with someone, do you really have to win? Do you have to be the right person in the end? Or is it something that you can just accept that you each have different opinions? 
there's a lot of things that we don't actually have to agree on. And it doesn't mean anything bad about the other person or about yourself if you disagree. So that's the best answer I have for that discussion is take a little time to, you know, get yourself regulated again and then have that conversation. Even better is if you feel yourself escalating, you feel yourself getting upset, call a timeout. Just say, you know, okay, we're getting heated. Let's just take a break and have that walk before you get upset. You'll be back talking to each other in no time. I humor can help in a fight as well. Um, I've, I saw something where two people were like trying to argue nose to nose and they ended up laughing. It worked for them. So be prepared to think outside the box. What else could you do after you've had a fight with someone? It, it depends on the person, right? But maybe you can have some kind of humor between you to move away from that. And we have more questions to get to after the break. But right now, I want to thank you for being with me, your host, Mickey Gaffin Stone. And I'm here with the Inspired Choices Network. And you are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. Today, it's you by design. We're looking at human design. I look forward to seeing you shortly. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mickey Gaffin-Stone, and you are with the Inspired Choices How wonderful Choices would it be Network. to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. That was called enthusiasm as I tried to jump in early. I'm delighted that you're here with me. Thank you so much for coming back after the break. This is Mickey Gaffin-Stone with Navigating Complicated Relationships. You're on the Inspired Choices Network, and what a better place to be. This is perfect. So I just want to have one or two more little questions. Someone asked me, do you have to have a healthy relationship with yourself before you have a healthy relationship with someone else? Little question, big answer. Yes, you do have to have a healthy relationship with yourself because you cannot overcome your own perspective of yourself. So if you think badly about yourself, if you have a lot of negative stories that you're carrying, 
another person is going to see that. Another person is going to hear that. And, well, they're going to believe it about you because you do. So developing this healthy relationship with yourself first is you doing work toward a better relationship with others. So, for example, when you're working with your child, and I do a lot of work with parents and children because there's a lot of misunderstanding, you come with your stories from your childhood and how your parents parented. Or in the case of Gen X, maybe your parents didn't do too much parenting. Maybe you're kind of feral because you get the dorky in the morning, booted out of the house, go to school, come back, let yourself in, make some kind of weird thing for dinner. And, you know, your parents arrive later. They had a lot of expectations, but not a lot of how to. And so if you grew up like that and now you you have kids, you're parenting from a place where you don't have much of a role model. So communication between the parent and the child can often get very fraught and, and mixed up because you just don't know what you're doing moving forward. And if you don't know your child's energy design, then that can be problematic as well. For example, a manifesting child, and hey, sorry, manifestors, I'm honestly not picking on you. It's just that you're very strong profile. Um, So the manifesting child is going to look like someone who's out of control. They run around, they charge from here to there, they're changing topics all the time, they pick up a toy, they're there for two minutes, they throw it down again, and the adults are all sort of saying, oh no, ADHD. Well, that might be a thing, but you also might have a manifesting child. Now, the thing is, if your child's a manifester, the urges from the parent or from the teacher is going to be to squash that child to keep them safe right? You want to keep them boxed in because this kid's unpredictable. What are they going to do next? Where are they going to go? And that is the nature of that child. So the trick, if you happen to know your child is a manifester, is to learn how you operate so you know how to use that with your child. If you are a generator, for example, then you're going to be somebody who has a consistent energy all day long. Your manifester doesn't, They're going to have brilliant ideas, run off and do them and then stop. Brilliant idea, run off and do them and then stop. And, you know, they're very kind of up and down because they don't have that fixed energy from the sacral center. If you are a generator and you're working with your child doing homework, for example, when you're around, they're likely to have more sort of continuation with it. But it's also difficult for them to stick to one task for any great length of time because it becomes boring. A manifester can get out of any given activity what they need a lot quicker than the rest of us. So, for example, a manifesting teen or early 20s might be at college doing a degree and they've done six months and and they say, oh, I'm good. Thanks. I'm fine. And everybody else is up in arms like you can't leave. You can't drop out. That's terrible. You need this degree. It takes four years and so on and so forth. And there's a whole story around that. But for the manifester, they have the information they need. And the other three and a half years will be absolute torture because they're bored now. They know they know what they want to know. So knowing your design 
being comfortable with who you are allows you to understand more about the other person and to be comfortable with them the way they are. Now, if you're the same energy type, that also gets interesting, but there's going to be other differences. So not everything shows up the same, although trying to get two generators in a room to make a decision that's coming from an open ended question can be kind of funny to watch. Uh, somebody's going to have to go for options in the end. It just doesn't um, just doesn't work that way. So let's see if we have any more questions. Uh, someone did ask me. I'm just looking for the question, actually. So give me a moment. Please describe the transformation you provide for your clients. That is a beautiful question. So the transformation is from feeling stuck, from feeling less than, from having a story that you use to self-sabotage, keeping yourself small because I don't do that or I can't do that, some other story taking you from that to a place where you see yourself more clearly. You accept all the lovely gifts you have and you accept the areas where those show up like half-read books. And all of this is fine. You can move forward with this. So the transformation is obviously individual because your design is individual. But the more stuck you are and the more willing you are to move from that, the more transformation that you can have. So understanding your design, navigating the dynamics of it is a hugely important piece of building the best relationships you can. Understanding your parents from their human design can be very helpful as well. That gives you information about how they operated. You can look at what information did they have from their parents? How did all that combine together? to produce the parenting for you. Once again, manifestors, sorry. If your parents squashed you, didn't let you do things, then chances are the anger that comes up because that is a sign for manifestors that they're out of alignment. The anger that comes up gets turned inward. And then you have a sullen teenager and you have someone who self-sabotages quite routinely. They're doing it to save anybody else the trouble, right? And they've learned this from their parents, but the parents didn't know any differently. And, you know, whatever design they were, a manifesting child is tough to deal with. So last week I mentioned blame as being something I would like to eradicate from the world. This is part of where it comes in. If you look back at your parents and say, well, you know, it's their fault. They're why I do this and they're why I do that or don't do this, don't do that. That doesn't help. It's it's really interesting to know where they were coming from, but that's it. That's the extent. There's no need to blame anybody. They did what they could with what they had. You have more. You have access to more. And having human design as a possible tool in your toolkit can open up so many possibilities. You can do your chart, your child's chart, and if you, if you look on my website, you'll see that there's a place there where there are family charts because the interactions can be fascinating and it can give you so much insight into how to move forward with that. And kids doing homework. Not all kids have the energy capacity to do homework when they get home from school. Again, going through their design and knowing what that is will be tremendously helpful. So using human design 
insights can help you to tailor how you show up in the world. It can help you to figure out the right kind of job for you. And if you have a job that you you like it, but it's still not quite working, maybe there's a different way you can approach it that's energetically better for you. And that's something that you can learn through your human design as well. So there are many possibilities here and you can take them, test them, play with them and definitely send me questions because I would like as many of those as you have. Um, And if anybody has any more questions, I'd be really delighted to have them. Meanwhile, I can talk about the profiles for human design because that's another very interesting piece. I have, it's a two number when you're looking at the chart, it's two numbers. Mine is a two four. And that means that I tend to be a bit of a hermit and I'm learning things while I'm on my own in my own space. And I'm turning them into something that's really useful, like combining behavior change science and human design, for example, and bringing up something new. But when people ask, well, how do you do that? Why why does that work? Or what does this mean? You know, and they want explanations. Somebody with the two line cannot give you an explanation. And this is a big shift I find for people when I'm doing their human design. When they have the two and I tell them, you don't have to explain yourself because you can't explain yourself, it's not there, the reactions I get are wonderful to see. I get an awful lot of, what, really? People are always asking me to do this. I don't have to? And, you know, no, you you really don't have to because you can't. The words don't come, they're not there. So that's a very interesting part from the two line. And twos tend to want to hide from people and, and they think they are. But you're hiding like someone who's standing in a window at night with blinds open and the light on, right? Everybody can see you, but you're in your cave. So enter the four line, the second one. These are all from hexagrams. And the four is the networker. So it's correct for you to have someone come and say, hey, can you share that with me? Can you bring this into the group? We want to learn about this. We want to know these things. And they pull you out of your cave, which is where your balance comes in. And networking is where everything works well for you. Going outside of your networks, because you'll have more than one network, going outside of your networks is not really going to be very comfortable, very energetic. So if you're in sales, for example, you're going to be looking for a networking way to sell because cold selling is a nightmare for you. This is not you're not designed for this. It's not how it works for you. So these are some ways that you could test everything I'm telling you. Have a look on your chart. I invite you to check those hyperlinks and see which pieces jump out for you. And, you know, play, enjoy. Now, the definition I mentioned earlier, I just want to jump back to that because I thought of a wonderful example. The musician Pink has... Probably the only quad split I've ever come across. And this is the it's four voices, four circuits. And you cannot have more than that. But that means that she needs a lot of people around her to be able to connect those circuits or she'd get nothing done. So Pink is a very gregarious person. You don't tend to see her on her own ever. And I suspect she lives that way because with that quad split that she has going on, she needs all that input. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I found that to be fascinating. The reflector I mentioned earlier and didn't really get into detail. We'll go into this more in another call, but a reflector is someone who has none of their centers defined, not one. So they absorb energy from everybody else and they reflect it back amplified. So they're literally like a big mirror. Isn't that amazing? Now, I think I've given you enough human design to play with for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to go to my website, www.gaffinstone.com, or find me on social media, I'm really easy to find, Mickey Gaffinstone. I'm the only one out there. Um, You can find me there and send a friend request. Very happy to talk with you. We're off to our next break, and I will see you on the other side. Thank you for listening. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain. 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back. I am your host, Mickey Gaffin-Stone, and you are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships on the Inspired Choices Network. Thank you for coming back. Now, another question I have, and I do love questions, so please keep them coming, is how accurate is human design? And that's a very good question because an important piece here is your birth data. If you have the incorrect time, that can actually make a bigger difference than you would expect. So it it can, particularly if it moves from one day to the next day, you know, just before midnight, just after midnight, that can actually give you a completely different chart and you won't recognize everything on there. So it's really good to be as accurate as you can with your time, place and date of birth. It really does make a difference. I've found this when I've tested it too. Human design, when you want to find a compatible partner, doesn't really help you to find the person so much, but it can give you some clues. For example, if you are continually drawn to, should we say, the wrong kind of person for you, somebody who you end up in a toxic relationship with, and and that happens on repeat, then there are certain things in their energy field that you're attracted to because you recognize them, not because you like them. That's a very different matter. And so discovering which those places are, what those traits are that you keep heading towards or that keeps coming for you, that can help you to navigate yourself away from those kind of relationships and towards something that's more healthy and more fulfilling for both of you. So human design is it you you don't look at the chart and say, oh, well, you're a projector. That's great for me because there's so much else 
that goes into the chart. But you can pick out the traits, centers that you don't have defined, and that will help you to navigate. Can human design help me block, identify blocks affecting my relationships? That is, I'm just thinking about that for a moment. So can it help me identify blocks? It can help you identify places of difficulty. For example, gate 21 is the gate of control. Now, if both of you have gate 21 defined, activated, then you're likely to butt heads over who's in charge of what. And the key here is to identify that block. Yes, you both have gates 21. So that's that's a sort of uh, verification, if you will, that mm -hmm, this is going to be a problem. Then you can work out who has the skill for this particular area to be in control of. So say one of you is in control of money, uh, taxes and all that fun stuff. And the other one's in control of managing the house. I don't know. Um, so long as you can each leave the other one with their control and not try and micromanage them, you'll do really, really well. So that can play into uh, a self-sabotage kind of cycle as well, where you get this system on, on repeat. It's, it's, it's a loop that you get so far and then you're stuck again or something falls apart. That actually warrants an entire call on its own. And so next week I will be talking about overcoming self-sabotage. That is a huge topic because we all do it at some point. And learning where those stories sneak in and become something we accept about ourselves is that's a huge part, a huge step toward overcoming that difficulty. We all have it. We don't have to have it. These are just stories that we're told. We don't have to keep them. So and you don't have to should on yourself and nobody else needs to should on you. So that's something I'd like you to take away from this as well. Um, let's just see if we have any more questions. It's it's a, a question heavy kind of topic, really. So let's see what would be the most important thing. The knowing your authority, how you make decisions can be incredibly helpful. As I mentioned earlier, mine is options, you know, binary options, yes or no. It's also knowing that, for example, generators tend to overcommit. So if you're somebody who commits really quickly to a whole lot of things and then finds out that you didn't realize it was going to take that long, chances are you're a generator before you even look at your chart because that's that's a pattern that we tend to slip into. The trick is that gap between ending a project and starting a project is where the most difficult thing you have sits in the middle. It's the space for patience. Every generator ever needs to work on their patience. It doesn't come naturally. That's why it's a thing you have to deal with. If you don't go with the patience, and find options to accept or, or say no to, then you're going to jump and you're going to say yes way more often than you should and end up with a whole lot of things that are a no. Now, the thing is, if you imagine your energy cup has so much space in it 
and you fill it with a whole lot of projects that are really a no. They're either too time consuming. They don't work for you. There's some reason they're a no. You filled your cup with that. There's no room for yes. So you're that's where the stuckness comes in. And that's where the self-sabotage starts rolling around is you're you're sitting in this cup full of no. So the first thing to do is identify that and start offloading things that you can offload, such as if you have to do that job, maybe you can do it a little differently. Um, Does it need to be fully in the office or could it be hybrid? Does it need to be fully at home? Can you do the situation differently? Like there are different things depending on the work, right? For uh, projectors, projectors have to wait to be recognized for their talent and invited to share that. And projectors that don't wait and aren't recognized for their talent tend to be perceived as being bossy. So if you know someone who's always trying to fix things and they're jumping in telling you what you need to do differently and you get annoyed at them thinking that they're micromanaging or bossy, there's a very good chance that person's a projector and they don't realize that they need to be asked. Volunteering is not the friend of a projector. So these kind of things are so interesting, aren't they? There's there's so many different aspects to it. And the poor reflector, sorry, reflectors, but reflector has to wait a whole lunar cycle, 28 days before they can make a big decision. And it might even have to happen over two or three months because they travel through everybody's design as they reflect back. And so they have to talk to people, change company, talk to different people. It's a big process for a reflector. Can you imagine? Now, there's only 1% of reflectors out there. So if you happen to be a reflector, please do let me know. I I would love to know. Sandra Bullock, the actress, is a reflector and she typifies the design. She can be anybody as she's acting and her personal life is choppy, shall we say, because the people that are attracted to her see themselves. And I'm going to leave that one right where I put it. So once again, thank you so much for coming to the Inspired Choices Network and listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. I look forward to seeing you next week. Send me an email if you'd like to, mickey at gaffinstone.com. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.